The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. jump straight into the teaching today. Why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, shout, this is my Bible. Bible. (laughs) I believe what it says I am. I I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We're still talking about why do bad things happen to good people. Amen? Why do bad things happen to good people? And last week we looked at the life of Job. Job, you remember? And we talked about how Job was confused. He was in a confused state, and he made several statements uh, towards the nature of God, which were not true, and God actually called him out and uh, rebuked him, and he changed his ways, and uh, God began to show him uh, his true nature. We also went to James chapter number 1, verse 16 to 17, and we discovered that every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, uh, who is God, uh, towards us, and with God there is no shadow of turning, or, or, or being schizophrenic, God basically does not operate uh, from the mercy of mood swings. God is a good God, and he is good, watch this, all the time. And a lot of people get tripped up by this one truth, and that is why their faith is uh, close to non-functional. Sure. Because the Bible says it's neither circumcision no uncircumcision that availeth much when it comes to your spiritual life, but faith which works by love. And that word love is agape. So the fuel for your faith is agape, and the only source of agape is God. And when you don't know how much God loves you, your faith cannot work. It's like trying to drive a car that does not have fuel, because the fuel for your faith is knowing that God loves you. And a lot of people don't know that. In fact, a lot of people have an idea, but they also uh, uh, ascribe all of the negatives that are taking place in the earth towards God, which shows a confused state in terms of their perception of uh, the true nature of God. Someone shout, God is good, and He is good all the time. time. Amen. And today we're going to continue in the same breath. Uh, Last week we discovered that uh, the instigator, uh, the adversary, the opposer was Satan. Amen? And he's the one who killed all of Job's children, ten of them. He's the one who stole all of Job's wealth. And he had a lot of wealth. He's the one who put sickness on Job. And in the end, we know that God is the restorer, not the instigator. Because in Job 42 verse 10, we read that God restored to Job everything that he had lost. Watch this twofold. Amen? And today we are continuing in the same breath. We're going to start in First Peter chapter number 5 verse 8. First Peter chapter number 5 verse 8. 
<clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. And the Bible says, be sober. Do you see it? And that word sober there is uh, in the, defined in the, I like this definition, it's in the American Heritage Dictionary. The word sober there just means being void of speculative imagination. Amen? And here he was talking about worry and fear. And for the most part, people are anxious about things that they've cooked up in their own heads. So he says, be sober, be alert, be vigilant, because your adversary, in case you might not know who the adversary is, he tells him to you. Your adversary who? The devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. In other words, Satan is roaming around the whole earth looking for an opportunity. And here, you know, the apostle Peter uses the word, your adversary. And I looked it up in the English dictionary. It means your, your opponent. It means your rival. It means your enemy. It means your foe, your nemesis. The devil is not your friend. He is your opponent. Yeah. He is your rival. Yeah. He is your enemy. And he is your nemesis. Let's go now to John 10, verse 10. What we are doing is we are just taking a look, a peep into the spiritual realm. Amen? And when you take a peep into the spiritual realm, you realize this, that everything that you see in the physical realm originates in the spiritual realm. Amen? And I know a lot of people, we have no idea what is going on in the spiritual realm. And because of that, they live defeated lives. It is like the, we have doctors here this morning, uh, and, and I was just talking to Dr. Rutendo, and here's something I discovered in the medical fraternities, that before they knew about uh, microbiology, they didn't have respect for that world. They would literally carry out operations and procedures in non-sterilized environments. They didn't care. You know why? Because they didn't know. But once they knew, now they have a respect for that world. And from today, you're going to walk out of here with an idea of what happens in the spiritual realm. And now you're going to have to respect the spiritual laws, just like you respect gravity. Can I get an amen? amen? You can't now use your words any kind of way. You can't now, uh, you're going to have to change your core beliefs when it comes to what you believe about God. Amen? Amen. It says in John 10, verse 10, and we're going to use this as our compass uh, for, you know, who God is and who the devil is. It says here, the thief, who, who might be the thief? It's talking about Satan. It says the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And Jesus is speaking. And he says... I have come that they may have what? Life. And that they may have it how? More abundantly. So Jesus here is contrasting his uh, assignment to the devil's assignment. He's saying Satan's assignment is only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he flips it and he said, I came that they, talking about you and me, might have life and have it more abundantly. So Jesus, God, is the giver of life. Satan wants to come and steal and kill and destroy. Amen? Amen. Let's go now to 1 John chapter number 3, verse 8. So Satan is not a comic book character, you know, that walks around with a red uh, suit and a pitchfork and some horns. And, you know, he's a spirit being that seeks to oppose the will of God in the earth. While God is giving life, He's trying to steal, kill, and destroy life. And he does it 
in so many different ways. First John chapter number 3, verse 8. This is Jesus speaking. He says, He that committed sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God, Jesus, was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Amen? So, here the Bible recognizes that there is a thing called the works of the devil. And the problem with the church is, well, I don't like preaching saying the problem with the church because I'm a part of it. But the problem with our mindset is we've ascribed all the works of the devil to God too. If you look on your contract, some of you were signing uh, insurance for your house and for your uh, things of that nature. You'd get to a part where uh, they have uh, on the T's and C's acts of God. And they're talking about tsunamis. They're talking about uh, hurricanes. They're talking about earthquakes. They're talking about uncontrollable fires. And they ascribe them to God. How dumb can you get and still breathe? See, if God (laughs) is the one doing all the bad stuff in the earth... You and I have no chance. We may as well give up, turn in our guns, and just, you know, do something else. But when you lack understanding, you will ascribe those things to God. Amen? Here, Jesus is saying, I came to destroy the works of the devil. And some of the works that Jesus dealt with while he was here on the earth was sickness. He went about healing all who were sick. And the Bible says in John 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil. In fact, he calls sickness and oppression from Satan. Because yeah. God never created your body to carry sickness. Yeah. Hallelujah! That's why your body fights against sickness. Amen? Because it's not God's will for you. Jesus came against Death, untimely death. Jesus came against poverty. He came against, you know, storms of life, even uh, physical storms. You remember the story? When there was a storm and he's in the boat, you got up and quiet, be still. He's coming against the works of the devil. And some of them are the works that resulted because of what Adam did in the garden. Today, we're going to be looking at Paul's thorn in the flesh. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, and we're going to read from verse 7 to 10. So sickness and disease is an oppression from the devil. And Jesus redeemed us from this bondage. Can I get an amen? Amen. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes, we are healed. Amen? Amen. So we have healing in Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, from verse 7 to 10. This is the Apostle Paul writing. And he says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Next verse. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Next verse. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. 
Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. Man, this is an awesome piece of scripture, but it has led many to think that uh, the Apostle Paul is condoning uh, sickness uh, as his thorn in his flesh. But let's go back to verse 7 and read it with more uh, insight and just kind of look into what the scripture is actually saying. It says in verse 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure by an abundance of revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger from who? From Satan. Notice it didn't say this was a gift from God. He says, it's a messenger from Satan. It was sent to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Man, this scripture is so clear, and he's not even talking about pride. I don't know how we arrived at the place of pride. The apostle Paul is saying, let's read it together. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation. That's what abundance of revelation does. It promotes you. It exalts you. Amen. And here, Satan came against that promotion. Not only here, even in Mark chapter number 4, one of the grounds that received the, 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 the seed as the word of God, the Bible says, persecutions came for the sake of the word. And they were quickly offended and gave up on the word. Not the apostle Paul. Over here he's saying, the enemy came against the abundance of revelation that was about to bring a promotion, and we're going to look at how he came against it. He did not come against it uh, through sickness. He says, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. What is this thorn in the flesh? Let's go to uh, Numbers chapter number 33, verse 55. Numbers, chapter number 33, verse 55. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let shall remain and be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides. They shall harass you in the land where you dwell. So this is another portion where the phrase or the terminology thorn in the flesh is used and it is in reference to people coming against you and the assignment that God has put on your life. Amen? Let's go to Joshua chapter number 23 verse 13. Man, I've heard people condone sickness and let sickness just tear up their bodies and say, man, this is just my thorn in the flesh from God. It's not even from God. The Bible says it's from Satan, sent to buffet you, to oppose you. (laughs) Amen? It says in Joshua chapter number 23, verse 13, 13, Know for a certain that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations before you, but they shall be snares and traps unto you, scourges in your sides, and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from off this good land which the Lord God has given you. And over here, he's not talking about uh, a national sickness. He's talking about a harassing enemy. 
Amen. I said amen. amen. Judges chapter number 2 verse 3. We're going somewhere with this. Judges chapter number 2 verse 3. Thank you Jesus. Therefore I also said I will not drive them. T-H-E-M. Talking about people. I will not drive them out before you but they shall be. I didn't hear that. Thorns in your side, and their gods shall be a snare to you. So, in every case that we've looked at, thorns in the flesh refer to people. Yeah. Amen. It refers to people coming against you. And similarly, what the Apostle Paul was saying is hey, listen, the people are coming against the preaching of the gospel. There, there, there is a thorn in the flesh. And here's the deal. God will never deliver you from people that are an irritant. Because you'd have to kill the whole world. (laughs) And he never promised you a world free of irritants. Free of people that oppose the preaching of the gospel. In fact, the Bible says, all who live godly shall suffer persecution. So when you uh, uh, desire to live a godly life, when you desire to stand up for something that's right, you will suffer persecution. In fact, the Apostle Paul says of the day and age that you and I live in, he says, man, you are about to have perilous times. That's how he calls it. I mean, the Apostle Paul faced some major opposition. He was beaten by a snake, you remember? Yeah. That was opposition from the enemy, from Satan himself. He was imprisoned. He was beaten up 39 stripes three times. He was thrown into uh, jail. I mean, so many crazy things happened to him, which did not even happen to Job. Now, I want want to show you something interesting here. Those of you who uh, uh, relate with Job, those of you who think you 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 can relate with Brother Job, man, the Apostle Paul in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, he faced something greater than Job would ever imagine. And you know what he called it? Light affliction. He said this light affliction cannot be compared with the glory that's about to be revealed when we go to heaven. Where did he get the strength to call it a light affliction? Uh, Verse uh, 8, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. Because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. You and I are what is called new covenant believers. We are New Testament believers who have a better covenant, watch this, established on better promises. And not only that, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And we have the authority of Jesus to stand and rebuke the enemy. And the Apostle Paul calls it light affliction. This is just lightweight. But he went on to say in 1 Timothy, you and I are about to suffer perilous times. And what he's saying is, we are about to have even a major opposition. You know why? Because now we're coming to a place where people don't know good from evil. Someone was fighting me for calling out sexual sin. Man, they wrote us a long email. That would never happen 20 years ago. They're having parades. I remember I was in California and they're having parades to promote sexual sin and homosexuality and all that stuff. And they genuinely think there's nothing wrong with it. In fact, the Bible calls it, men shall be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. This is why we have a few preachers who can preach the truth. 
Because everybody else loves themselves more than they love the gospel and they're willing. They're not willing to sacrifice everything for the truth. And the Apostle Paul says, man, the future generation will suffer worse than what I'm suffering right now. You know why? Because we're coming into a place where people can't distinguish between good and evil. And so when we go back to uh, 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul Uh, It says in verse 8, concerning this thing, I pleaded the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, so God answered him. I've heard this thing preached that, you know, the apostle Paul prayed once and God didn't answer him. Prayed twice and God didn't. No, that's not what it's saying. It's saying the apostle Paul just prayed three times. And he heard the answer on the third prayer. Amen. I said amen. And he says here on the third prayer, God answered him and he said, No, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And this is what the Apostle Paul then said, Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmity. That word infirmity is not talking about sickness, it's talking about weakness. That's what the word means in the Greek. Therefore, I will boast in my weakness, in the things that I cannot do in my own strength. You know why? Because then I can rely on God's strength. Man, every time I get an assignment that's bigger than my CV, I get excited. You know why? Because I'm about to use some God's strength to accomplish that assignment. See, if everything you're doing is within your scope of training, (laughs) you will never need God's power. So here you're saying, man, I'm, I'm dealing with a higher level of opposition. And God says, my grace is made sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Man, that's an awesome uh, piece of scripture. Amen. So God's power is available for all of us to stand in the midst of persecution. Amen. The Bible says, all those who live godly shall suffer persecution. Second Timothy, Timothy chapter number 3 verse 12. Let's read it. Thank you, Jesus. 2 Timothy, chapter number 3, verse 12. Because we are in enemy territory, so Satan will oppose you. Amen? This is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, and he says, Yes, all who desire. See, why are you still desiring? Man, I missed that word. He didn't say all who live godly. See, once you get stirred up to do the right thing, you are about to have some opposition. Because yeah, right. Satan doesn't want you to taste and see that there is a grace that is sufficient for you, that can make you strong in, in the midst of your weakness. Can I get an amen? amen. He says, yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. And that word persecution just simply means opposition. Amen? amen. I said Amen. amen. So in every case we've looked at, the thorn in the flesh is man coming against us for the sake of stopping us from preaching the truth of the gospel. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2. We're going to read from verse 1 to 2. So God didn't say to Paul, man, I'm not going to heal you of this sickness. Because then that would make God a respect of persons. And we've read several scriptures last week that say God declares that he is not a respecter of persons. In other words, he does not show partiality. God has offered to everyone salvation. God has offered to everyone prosperity. God has offered to everyone healing. All you have to do is to activate your faith so you can access it. Can I get an amen? First uh, Thessalonians 2 from verse 1 to 2. This is the kind of opposition that the Apostle Paul faced. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our 
our gathering together uh, to him, we ask you, did I say it? Second first, first Thessalonians 2, from verse 1 to 2. <clears throat> first Thessalonians. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. Next verse. But even after we had suffered before you, we were spitefully treated at Philippi. As you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much what? Man, you, you think it's uh, preaching the gospel. You, you don't preach the gospel in, in, in a perfect environment. This is enemy territory. This is in a, a, a war zone. This is a place of much conflict. And if we don't warn you and equip you enough, man, you will go out there and you'll be a casualty of war. Man, people will hurt your feelings. Amen. Man, you think, man, I'm doing this great stuff for God, and someone will just write you an email and say, man, you, 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 are, you are a son of the devil himself. Man, there's opposition. Amen. If it happened to Jesus, guess what? It will happen to you and I. Because there's just, uh, the enemy uses people, he influences people to come against or to at least slow down the preaching of the gospel. And this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, we suffered before you. We were spitefully treated at Philippi. As you know, we were bold in our God, not in our own strength. In that grace, we were bold. We stood in that grace and we spoke the gospel. Though we were in enemy territory, we still stood and preached the gospel. Now, let's look at a casting point in Daniel chapter number 3, verse 16. See, if you don't bump into the devil, you may be going in the same direction. (laughs) Hallelujah! Yeah. You remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? The three Hebrew boys? They were told by the uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar king that every time they sound the trumpet, the boys must bow. And the boys say, no, we will not bow. We will not worship your idols. We will worship the one and only true living God. And so someone went and snitched on them. Someone went and told the king, there's these three boys who are not bowing. And the king said, bring, bring them over. So they brought them over, and this is where the story started. That when the king brought them over, he said to them, Is it true that I hear that you guys are not bowing down every time we sound the trumpet? And this is what they said to him. Uh, he, he promised them, you know, he said, let's read verse 15, actually. So you can see the threat. Yeah. Now, if you're ready at the time you hear the trumpet... He gave them another chance. Listen to this. Now, if you're ready, at the time you hear the trumpet and the sound of the horn and the flute and the harp and the lyre and the psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall bow down and worship the image which I have made. Good? But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God Who will deliver you from my hands? Now watch what these boys say. This is opposition. Can you see it? This is a thorn in the flesh. This is a classic example of opposition to serving God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said, King, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. In other words, O King, we don't care. 
That's what they're saying. We, we, hey, listen, we don't care. Yeah. And watch what he said in the next verse. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. That's the grace. Now watch the faith in action. And he will. Someone say he will. He will. Notice it didn't say he might. He said, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Now watch what happens in verse 18. A lot of you are going to get confused. But if not, (laughs) you just said he will. Now you are saying, but if not, are you in faith? Are you in doubt? What's up with this? No, just keep reading. You'll get the context. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Question. If God don't serve you in the fiery furnace, what will you turn into? You have nothing else to say. That's not what they're talking about. They're saying, but if not, but if not, you don't throw us in the fiery furnace. If you change your mind on your threat, let it be known that we are still not going to serve your gods. How do we know that? This text was written originally in Aramic. And the first, our God will save us. And the second, but if not, come from the same original Aramic term, hen, H-E-N. And here, but if not, it's hen, la, which means, but if not, you don't cast us into the fiery furnace. Guess what? We're still standing on our conviction. We will serve the one and only true God. So they're not saying he will not save us. They're not saying, but if he doesn't save us, because God will save you when you stand in your faith. Amen. They're saying, if you, king, if you change your mind, we are not changing our minds. And we know that they were cast into the fiery furnace. And what happened was, is they were in the fiery furnace. The people that threw them in, all of them got burnt to a pile of ashes. And they went into the fire, and they started dancing and walking around, and Jesus joined them. How do we know that? It says there was a fourth man, and they went to the king and said, Man, did we not cast three men in there? But there's another one which appears in the same fiery furnace, and his face is like the Son of Man. Jesus himself left heaven to come and be with them in their trouble, in their challenges. And that's what the Bible says. It says when the righteous cry out, God will come and deliver them out of all their afflictions. It's the same thing that happened with Stephen as they were stoning him to death. He had a vision of heaven and he saw Jesus himself standing at the right hand of the Father, giving him a standing ovation for standing in the truth and in the impeding danger. And that's what God will do for you when you stand in the conviction of serving Jesus the Christ. It's not going to happen in a perfect environment. We are in enemy territory. So Satan will oppose you. Amen? I said amen. Amen. And unlike Job, you have the Holy Ghost living on the inside of you. Unlike Job, you have Jesus' authority to command the demons to rebuke them. In fact, the Bible says, submit yourself unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Sickness is an opposition from the devil. Sickness is an oppression from the devil. 
You know, growing up, I used to think if there was ever war in my uh, country, when the soldiers would come, I would play dead, you know, until the soldiers passed. Just, just play dead and just act like I've, 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 I've been shot and just play dead, put some ketchup on me and play dead. And then when they pass, I would run home. That's what I used to think. Well, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, we are in enemy territory. And this enemy will come for you whether you're playing dead or not. But thank God Jesus has given us the power and the authority to resist this devil. Thank God Jesus has put us in a position where we can resist this devil. Thank God he has given us the ammunition that we need. The Bible says put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Thank God you and I don't have to play dead, but we can fight the good fight of faith. Man, you need to learn how to fight because we are in enemy territory. And the devil is coming against you. He's coming against your marriage. He's coming against everything that is your name on it. He's coming against your, your health because he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he's an opportunist. And when you don't know what I'm teaching you, man, I'm telling you, you just roll with the punches. And I lived my Christian life for many, many years rolling with the punches. It's not a nice place to be. Every season, every June, July, I knew I already knew I was going to get a flu and a cold and everything that comes with it. When I started knowing these truths, that sickness is not a blessing from God. That Jesus never had to fight a flu. And Jesus is our example. Jesus never had to fight a cold. And Jesus is our example. Jesus went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And not only that, he came and gave that power to you. He said, believers shall lay hands on the sick, and the sick shall recover. Brothers and sisters, Jesus has given you that authority to lay hands on the sick. And he said, the sick shall recover. Amen? Amen? And when you obey, when you stand in your faith, in that truth, and you lay hands in, on the sick, the sick will recover. Man, it's, about, it's been about uh, seven, eight years of not going to the doctors to try and get help. I have nothing against the doctors. Man, if it wasn't for the doctors, all the Christians would be dead. Because <laughs> they would rather rely on them and not on the power of God. Amen? Amen? But you and I have the power of God to where we can enjoy divine health. We read that scripture in 3 John 2. It says, Beloved, I wish above all things. And there's a whole lot of things to wish for. He says, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in what? Good health. Even as your soul prospers. That word even as is to the degree that your soul prospers. To the degree that you renew your mind. To the degree that you change your thinking. See, what I'm doing is to get you to a place where you will never, ever believe for sickness. You will never, ever believe for opposition that will come and just destroy your life. While the opposition may come, what I'm teaching you is to stand and exercise your authority like Jesus did. Quiet, peace, be still. Amen? We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.